0: chapter 12 of the ordeal of elizabeth by anonymous this librivox recording is in the public domain it was that time of year when the neighborhood and the whole riverside are in their glory day after day dawned clear and frosty to warm at noonday into a mellow brilliance on every side stretched wooded meadow and upland all aglow Resplendent in varied tints of crimson and russet, magenta and scarlet, blending in a glorious scheme of color, till they melted at last into the soft gray haze which rested, like a touch of regretful melancholy, on the tops of the distant hills. Over the fields the goldenrod was still scattered profusely amidst the sober browns and purples of the bay and the pale lavender of the michaelmas daisies. Red berries glistened on the bushes. The ground was covered every day deeper with a carpeting of fallen leaves and chestnut burrs. On one of these autumn days, when the light was fading into dusk, Mrs. Bobby Van Antwerp came to call at the homestead and found no one at home but Elizabeth, who was kneeling on the hearthrug, staring into the fire. Elizabeth's thoughts were not pleasant ones. She had refused to go to Cranston with her aunts that afternoon, for she had never been near the place since that hot July day, nearly three months before, when she had forgotten to match her ribbon. What construction her aunts placed upon the episode she never knew; they did not allude to it in words, but treated her with added care and solicitude, as if she were recovering from some illness. In pursuance of this theory, They took her to a highly recommended and very dull seaside place, where she was extremely bored. She returned in better health, though hardly better spirits. She had now a new trouble, which increased as the autumn advanced. Paul's letters, at first many and ardent, grew fewer and colder till they ceased altogether. Elizabeth's last letter remained unanswered and she was too proud to write again. No doubt, she told herself, his thoughts were occupied by some new attraction. With a sudden flash of intuition, she realized that for Paul there would always be an attraction of some kind, and generally a new one. This unpleasant perception had one good result, at least. It lightened her sense of remorse towards Amanda. She had long ago got over the ordeal of seeing her cousin again, and the strange scene between them had been relegated to a curious phase of unreality, covered up and almost obliterated, as such scenes not infrequently are among relations and intimate friends, by the thousand commonplace incidents of every-day life. And yet some sort of apology had been preferred by Amanda, as she sat up in her white wrapper, very pale and hollow-eyed, with her red hair cut short, and just beginning to come in, in soft waves like Elizabeth's, a thing she had always desired. "'You know,' she said in a weak voice, "'I was real sick the last time you saw me. I was just coming down with the fever.' "'I know you were,' Elizabeth said gently, conquering the thrill of anger which swept over her at the recollection. "'I guess I said some queer things,' Amanda ventured next, and gave an odd furtive look from her light eyes you certainly did said elizabeth coldly not all the pity she felt for amanda's weakness could avail to make her speak in any other way well i guess amanda said after a moment and closing her eyes as if wearied out people aren't accountable for what they say when they're sick no said elizabeth i suppose not and with this tacit apology and its acceptance this episode between the cousins might be considered closed. Certainly on Elizabeth's side it was not only closed, but forgotten, in the pressure of far more serious troubles. As she knelt that afternoon looking into the fire, a vision of her future life, colourless, empty, without joy or love, seemed to stare back at her from its glowing depths. The years stretched out before her, a dreary waste, without Paul she was sure that he would never come back. The bond between them seemed the merest shadow. He had forgotten her in three short months, while she was more in love than ever, since she had never fully realized at the time the void that he would leave behind him. For a short time her life had bloomed like the summer, and now nothing was left to her but the fast-approaching, grey monotony of the November days and the bleak cold of the winter. Upon these cheerful reflections entered Mrs. Bobby Van Antwerp, in a short skirt somewhat the worse for wear, with dark eyes that shone brilliantly beneath her battered hat, and her small piquant face glowing with health and exercise. "'Don't get up,' she said. "'What a beautiful blaze!' She sat down to it at once and held out her small gloveless hands to its pleasant warmth. "'I walked all the way.' she announced triumphantly, and I thought I would just drop in, and perhaps you'd give me a cup of tea. One must have lived in the neighbourhood to appreciate the informality of all this. People paid calls in their carriages, with their card-cases and their best Sunday gowns. It was not good form to come on foot, even had the distance permitted. But the young woman always spoken of as Mrs. Bobby— though her claims to a more formal designation had long since been established, was a law unto herself and cared little what the neighborhood's laws might be. Elizabeth had already noticed that this great lady, the greatest lady in the neighborhood, treated her with more friendliness than other people of less assured position, with whom she was theoretically on more intimate terms. This curious fact, and the cause of it, occupied her thoughts while she rang the bell and ordered tea a little flustered inwardly, but outwardly calm, and comfortably conscious of the becoming neatness of her serge skirt and velveteen blouse. Whatever her troubles might be, she had not yet reached so great a pitch of desperation as to neglect her appearance. "'Aren't these autumn days beautiful?' said Mrs. Bobby, making herself at home by unfastening her coat and tossing aside her hat whereby she disclosed to view a somewhat tousled halo of curly dark hair. I tell Bobby that just these few days in the autumn make up to us for the bother of keeping the place, though in summer it is fearfully hot and unspeakably dull all the year round. It must be very dull for you, said Mrs. Bobby, coming to a sudden pause. Oh, yes, it's dull, Elizabeth admitted with a little sigh. Mrs. Bobby laughed why don't you say, oh, but I'm so fond of the place, or, but I'm not at all dependent on society as the other girls in the neighborhood do? I don't know, said Elizabeth reflectively. I don't think, for one thing, that I'm so awfully fond of the place, and as for society, I've never had any, so naturally I get on without it. But you would enjoy it if you had it. A curious brightness shone for an instant in Elizabeth's eyes. "'Ah, yes, I should enjoy it,' she said quickly. "'I'm sure I should.' "'I'm sure you would, too,' said Mrs. Bobby. She seemed to reflect a moment. "'Don't you go away in August?' she asked at last. "'Yes, this year we did,' said Elizabeth. "'We went to Boarhaven. "'It—it wasn't very amusing.' She stopped short blushing as if the last words had been wrung from her unawares, but Mrs. Bobby's smile seemed to invite confidence. "'Tell me about it,' she said. "'Was it very terrible?' "'Yes, very,' said Elizabeth, frankly. There were a good many girls who used to promenade up and down, and a number of old ladies who sat in rows on the piazza and criticized the people, and grumbled about the table, and they one and all treated us as if we had committed some crime.' We were quite distressed till we found out that it was nothing personal, only the way they always treat new arrivals. "'Ah, I know the type of place,' said Mrs. Bobby, and the people. Were there any men?' "'A few who were called men—about sixteen, I should think, most of them. But they didn't interest me particularly.' And Elizabeth blushed, as she remembered the reason which had made her indifferent, at least to such men as Borhaven could boast of. Mrs. Bobby noticed the blush. "'What?' she said to herself. "'Another attraction in this wilderness? "'Not that stupid Frank Courtenay, I hope. "'Yet there isn't and never has been another man in the place that I ever heard of.' While she pondered this problem the tea-things were brought in, and Elizabeth seated herself at the small table, behind the old silver urn, in the full glow of the firelight, which played on her hair, and brought out the warm creamy tones of her skin mrs bobby watched her silently with her bright dark eyes her small pointed chin supported on her hand you ought to go to town for the winter she announced at last abruptly this seemed to be the upshot of her reflections elizabeth looked up with a little start and a momentary brightening of the eyes which faded however instantly "'Oh, my aunts could never bear to leave here,' she said. "'They have so taken root in this place. "'Besides,' she went on, constrained to greater frankness by the consciousness of that quality in Mrs. Bobby herself, "'what would be the use if we did go? "'We know so few people. "'It would be horrid to be in New York and not know any one or go anywhere.' "'Yes, that wouldn't be pleasant,' admitted Mrs. Bobby, to whom indeed such a state of things was inconceivable." But you would know people, she went on after a moment. Everyone does somehow. They're your cousins, the Schuler Van Vorsts, for instance. Who would probably never notice us, said Elizabeth, or if they did, would ask us to a family dinner. Well, that certainly would be worse than nothing, Mrs. Bobby admitted. But how about your old school friends? You ought to have known some nice girls at Madame Verlay's you would see, no doubt, a great deal of them. Elizabeth shook her head. I doubt it, she said. They spoke, some of them, of asking me to stop with them. But they have none of them done so. They don't even write to me any more. It doesn't take long for people to forget one, Mrs. Van Antwerp, said poor Elizabeth, putting into words the melancholy philosophy which experience had lately taught her. My dear child! cried Mrs. Van Antwerp. You're too young to realize that yet." She put out her hand in her warm, impulsive way and touched Elizabeth's. "'I can promise you one thing,' she said. "'If you come to New York, I'll do what I can to make it pleasant for you.' Elizabeth looked up with glistening eyes. "'You're—you're awfully kind,' she began, stammering. In another moment she would have burst into tears and perhaps in the sudden expansion confided everything to this new friend, in which case her life's history would have been different. But just then she heard the sound of wheels, and immediately she stiffened, and the habit of reserve, which had been growing upon her during the last three months, reasserted itself. When her aunts entered, in a little glow of excitement after their day at Cranston, Elizabeth was sitting quite cool and placid behind the tea-things, Absorbed in the problems of milk and sugar. The rest of Missus Bobby's visit seemed to her rather dull. They sat around the fire, and Missus Bobby drank her tea and ate a great many of the little round cakes which accompanied it, and which she praised warmly, to the gratification of Miss Joanna, who had made them. She told them all about her domestic affairs, and Bobby's affairs, and the family affairs generally, and was altogether very charming and, as the Mrs. Vorst expressed it, neighborly. But still she said not a word further of their going to town, or of that pleasant, if rather vague, promise she had made in a moment of impulse, which perhaps she already regretted. It was not till she held Elizabeth's hand at parting that she invited her, as if by a sudden thought, to dinner on the following Friday. "'It will be dull, I'm afraid,' she said. "'Only the rector and his wife and the Harringtons,' and Julian Gerard who is coming over on Sunday. You will be the only young girl, and I want you to amuse Julian. We dine at eight. Do come early so we can have a talk beforehand. Elizabeth, entirely taken by surprise, had only time to murmur an acceptance when missus Bobby hurried off, being hastened by the arrival of her husband who had called for her and was waiting outside in the dog cart Friday, remember. She called out from the yawning darkness beyond the door and come early, then Bobby Van Antwerp's restless horse bore her off. the Misses Van Borsch returned to the drawing-room in a state of considerable excitement. Think of my dining at the Van Antwerps, Elizabeth exclaimed, still rosy from the unexpected honour. I was so taken aback that I could hardly answer properly, but how on earth am I to amuse Julian, whoever he may be? and what have I got to wear? "'It's a—a a very nice attention,' said Miss Cornelia complacently. "'She's never asked the Courtenay girls, I know, from what their mother told me. She said they thought it a pity she was so unsociable. "'I think, sister, when we see them we might mention that we don't find her unsociable. Just casually, you know. As for what you can wear, my dear, either your white crape or white organdy, is quite pretty enough, and much nicer than anything the Courtenay girls would have." "'To think of dinner at eight o'clock!' said Miss Joanna, who was only just recovering her powers of speech. "'So very fashionable! I wish, dear, if you can, you would notice what they have. Mrs. Bobby says her cook is very good at croquettes. I wish you could tell me, dear, if they are better than ours.' "'I am afraid I shan't be able to think of croquettes,' said Elizabeth, what with the burden of being on my best behaviour and entertaining Mr. Gerard, "'I think, by the way, that he must be that dark man I have seen sometimes in their pew on Sundays. "'Which would he like me best in, do you suppose, the white crape or the organdy? "'I must get them both out and decide which to wear.' Elizabeth's spirits were as easily exhilarated as they were depressed she ran upstairs humming a gay little tune which had not come into her head for many a day this dinner at the van antwerps with the prospect of meeting a few of her neighbors and apparently one unmarried man might have seemed to many people a commonplace affair enough but to elizabeth it was a great occasion and for the rest of the evening bright visions of future pleasure danced before her eyes that night for the first time in many weeks She did not cry herself to sleep, thinking of Paul. End of chapter 12